So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something ah! well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert eg black and i'm here with sean german from groundhog minute to discuss <laughs> groundhog day again it's groundhog day always again, always yeah <laughs> yeah so we're uh, <laughs> i don't even know how to start this conversation we both talked about this so much we get to see the groundhog yes well does he pull him out the beginning? Didn't he pull him out the end of last minute while we're seeing him? Yeah. Yep. He pulled him out last minute, but now we get to see the um, the prognostication. We'll see a lot of extras from Woodstock. This minute begins with them holding him up and Rita, we hear Rita say, oh, isn't he cute? Phil has his little, I can't do that with my mouth. <laughs> he somehow folds his upper lip in and says, you like your guys with prominent upper teeth, but she plays along. Mm-hmm. Big Phil's impersonation of groundhog noises. Uh-huh. Chatter. Which Rita sort of does too. Yeah. She can't fold her lip up like him though. She just puts her teeth out. Yeah. I can't really do that either. <laughs> yeah. And she says no. And then we go to, yeah, Buster reading the proclamation. This February at 720 and 30 seconds, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, prognosticator of prognosticators, emerge reluctantly, but alertly. In Punxsutawney, PA, and stated in Groundhoggies, I definitely see a shadow. Yeah, before we get to the crowd reaction. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Sorry, this is fun. We did get a crowd shot earlier, and I noticed that the awkward old guy from the auction is there. Mm -hmm. We did see him walking up behind Phil earlier, and he's there down in the front. We see the bearded guy who's lingering when Phil is sculpting his angel statue. Yeah, with the the Penn State hat. is Is in there, down in the crowd. We can sort of see where the guy in the red hat is, the old guy from the diner. Oh, yeah. But in a lot of these shots, we can't really see him, but we can, knowing he's there, I know which person is like his shoulder, Mm -hmm. but he's behind someone in a couple of these shots here. But the thing I want to bring up is speaking of prognosticators and, you know, stated in Groundhoggies, Woodstock Willie has a beef right now with Mayor Mike Turner, who had his first time running the Groundhog event in Woodstock, Illinois this year. And so he said, because he's new, he mistranslated and Woodstock Willie didn't get his prediction wrong. (laughs) He says there's subtle nuance. Woodstock Willie has put out at least two different public statements about the event and how he was translated wrong, (laughs) saying there's a subtle nuance between I see and I do not see in Groundhog Ease. (laughs) So he's blaming the mayor, which is funny because, you know, they have a scroll ready. (laughs) There's no sense, especially in the movie. Is there a second scroll? No. It'd be funny if we could see they had just two scrolls ready and tried to play it off, but no, they're just reading something. So you don't think they have two scrolls depending on what? I think they have two <laughs> scrolls, but I don't think they bring both out there. They're not actually talking to yeah. a groundhog, Sean. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I was going to say like, 
you know, do they have two scrolls depending on what the groundhog says? But I obviously stopped myself because the groundhog does not say anything. But so that means there's there's someone knows. See, that seems it, it, it introduces the possibility of like cheating. Because I imagine there's betting. Well, yeah. I mean, there's you know, this is, there's betting on everything. Well, it's why you can't you can't do official bets on like things like the Oscars is because the actual answers are out there. Right. It's not like a sporting event where no one knows mm-hmm. who's going to win until the end, and so you can't make bets in Vegas. They do put out odds on them, but you can't bet on them. So you couldn't bet on this either. Although it'd be funny, like just bet on which groundhog is going to be right. I'm a little disappointed that you can't because <laughs> I would, I, well, yeah. Cause then they would have to do like two scrolls, one that he sees the shadow and one that he doesn't. And then right. maybe randomly pick. So that way the betting's fair. I don't think in Woodstock, they even had scrolls. I don't remember how they did it now. Yeah. So, and we get to see, you know, the compliment of Punxsutawney officials on stage. Mm-hmm. The inner circle. Groundhog is being handled by the groundhog wrangler. Yeah. Bill Hoffman right. talked about him last minute. He's the guy who wrangles their groundhog for the film. I don't think he's involved with Groundhog Day stuff. Like he wasn't from Punxsutawney, like the ice sculptor guy is. Yeah, I think I think he's like he's a Hollywood yeah. animal guy. Mm-hmm. Like it was his groundhog. Right. He handles them. Because they do have very sharp teeth. They will bite. Oh yeah. That's Bill Murray. Yeah, they yeah, they bite one of one <laughs> of theirs bites. I guess officially this movie only used one, but I'm not sure how accurate that is. But it does bite Bill Murray later. After he plays with a fake one, and <laughs> I'll have fun talking about that later. This is kind of fun. This is like a fun minute. This is a stark contrast with, I think, the minutes that come before and after mm. in terms of what we talked about from Ex Machina and then minute 15 from Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. They are, are both kind of more dark, serious, foreboding minutes. And this is just, it's fun. You know, the people are out, they're dancing, they get cold, they go by the fire, they warm up, they go dance again. And then, you know, we pull out a this giant ground squirrel. Is it it fun and light or is this the darker (laughs) minute of the three this week? This is basically a microcosm of society. You have these rich inner circle guys in their fancy suits Mm -hmm. telling the plebes down below what weather is going to be like. Right. And they have to cheer. They have to cheer. It's not right. No. (laughs) Well, what if the, you know, the poor groundhog is, he's probably taking a nap in there, a little long, nothing. And yeah, no, no, no option about this. No say, No. you know, and they pull him out and ask him, what's the weather going to be like? Probably saying, put me down, let me go. Yeah. And these guys saying, oh, you didn't see a shadow. And the groundhog's like, what are you talking about? Shadow. I'm saying, put me down. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. I don't think you speak groundhoggies at all. Yeah, we need subtitles for this groundhog. He's <laughs> like, you want a weather prediction? It'll be a cold day in hell before I tell you the weather. Yeah. <laughs> Put me back in my fake stump. Yeah. So are groundhogs born with an innate ability for speech? That's an excellent question. I mean, this one's been alive so long. Maybe he invented the language. language. I mean, he's 130 years old now. Yeah. Or more. I mean, is it so is it the same like groundhog ease? Is it like English? I don't know, you know, so that, you know, the groundhogs in German, could a German groundhog speak to an American groundhog? Or is right. Like a difference between German and well, to be fair, he, it's Pennsylvania. He's also German. Yeah. And then outside Chicago, still pretty German. I don't know about the, well, the one in Jersey died. So maybe it's because he couldn't speak groundhoggese well enough. Yeah. And the Canadian ones, I don't it's, know. It's groundhoggese for call a doctor. Yeah. Or call a vet. <laughs> Whatever doctor they'll get him. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know the difference. They didn't program that knowledge in. We see some more crowd shots. The old guy with the walrus mustache is down on the bottom one of those shots. 
We'll see them in the diner later. Mm-hmm. I did notice something new in this minute, which I love because I still can. Someone's sign in the crowd says, I punk Chucks. I just paused. I just have that up on my screen and I hadn't seen that before. Right. Because he, he's not holding it up. It's like da- he's holding it down. So I hadn't seen that one yeah. when I looked for signs for my little Lego gobbler's knob. I looked around for good signs to copy. Yeah. I punk Chucks is weird. Is it I or is that a number one? Is he saying like number one, number one punk, punk chunk, Chucks? like punk satani chuck chunk? I don't know. Well, I feel like the punk is, yeah, is a play on Punxsutawney. Punk chunks. Chuck is like, gra- he's like not a woodchuck, woodchuck, but I guess that's what they're going for. <laughs> yeah. Why would it be number one, though? In 92, when this is filmed, uh, yeah. what, 91 when it's set, I don't think there were other groundhog festivals other right. than Punxsutawney. So if you're the only, can you be number one? Perhaps Punxsutawney Phil can also predict the future or that guy in the crowd. Can. Oh, what do you mean, perhaps? <laughs> oh, you just mean he can, he can predict. <laughs> that's his <he> can, job. <laughs> yeah. You're just saying he can predict futures other than the weather. Right. What that's what saying. I meant. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That, that was implied. Yeah. He can predict the future aside from weather. Yeah. Maybe you should have predicted that guy was going to hold up the blizzard sign upside down. A script did. They did that on purpose, which is funny. That is funny. I think I see Nancy. She's got a big there pink is, coat. She's not too hard. She, to Nancy is not there. I figured out last no? minute it's someone else, but it seems like the same coat and that might be on purpose, but she's wearing black gloves where Nancy has white gloves and the hair is different. Okay. So it's not Nancy. But in that approximate spot, there is someone with a okay. similar coat, which if that's on purpose, good, good job. Because clearly they weren't going to get Marita Garrity to just hang out there every time they filmed out here. Because who wants to do that? That's what extras are for. Right. See more of that classist stuff that we're seeing represented <laughs> here on screen. Yeah. Speaking of extras, uh, according to Harold Ramis mm-hmm. on the director's commentary on my disc, they were paying the extras $100 every hour to keep them standing out in the cold because it was really cold when they were filming this. Yeah. In case there's any confusion on Sean's wording there, they weren't paying the 400 extras $100 an hour each. They had giveaways of $100 to kind of keep them happy and keep them excited and keep the energy up. I heard that at least one of the times they filmed out there, it was it ended up actually being warm, but that isn't in the commentary. And so people had to still wear their jackets and everything, even though it had gotten hotter. I think that maybe they did some reshoots of some shots or something. But yeah, what he talks about is it's cold and they just had to hang out there and act excited on cue, which it's not always the easiest thing to do. As you can see, the guy behind Buster looks like he just woke up, guy with the mustache. That's why they call it acting. Well, yeah, that one shot in the middle of a Buster reading, they cut to the sh- uh, one shot of the crowd. It's like a little closer. Those people all seem really glad to be in a closer shot. They seem happy and excited. Good job, extras. That one reporter holds up his mic to get the crowd reaction. That's good extra acting. He doesn't get any lines, so he's not getting paid more, but he stood out. So good for him. There are no small parts. <laughs> Just small groundhogs. Just small groundhogs. Yes. <laughs> The other thing in here is when it comes back to Phil talking again in the movie, of course, the minute ends as he starts and he says on me in three, two, one. Again, this is one time where television really fails to capture the true, we cut off, but true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. Still in the final revision of the script, this is something that came out of the original, Ruben's original, is that the groundhog was supposed to get out of the handler's hands run across the stage and jump off of the stage, which is why in minute 77, Phil tells Larry, maybe they should set up a camera in a different spot. That's a leftover from that early thing, which as far as I know, they filmed some version of 
because even in the final script, Phil says, in just a moment, we will see the groundhog peek its head out of the hole here on Gobbler's Knob. Look left, look right, step out of the hole, run around to this side, look at the crowd, burp, and run back into the ground. I don't know. That's that's a specific line he said in the original. But they filmed something with Bill Murray. I mean, it's part of the art I use for this show. Is Bill Murray leaning down with his microphone to the groundhog. In order to get that still on the set, they had to at some point have put him near the groundhog for that shot. But they didn't use it in promotional material, so I assume they filmed a version of that scene. Maybe it just didn't work, or it, I don't know, it didn't serve its purpose well enough. Yeah. They also learned a lot going to Punxsutawney and, and seeing True, you know, yeah. the, the, the first pass through that Danny Rubin did. He didn't know right. You know how this did. So they didn't know that someone grabs the groundhog right. and brings it out, Yeah, which changed that a bit. But then they still have that moment later where Bill tells Larry they should set up the camera somewhere else, right. even though they don't then set up the camera somewhere else on the last day. Because he's still in the same spot doing his <laughs> checkoff speech. And I'll complain about the checkoff speech when I get there. Yeah, we all will. <laughs> so speaking of uh, speaking of time loops. <laughs> yes. Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become, like, better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Never think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone. Lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't plan a day like this. Well, you can it just takes an awful lot of work. Time. 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 The last revision is what counts, apparently. Time. What if we found Time. them all? All the perfect things in this Time. one town, Time. in this one day, we could collect them. Time loop of the week. It was almost going to be a bad movie of the week as well from what I had read about Blood Punch, but I kind of liked it. I liked it very much. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know the lead too. I'm like, who is that guy? And it's because a year later he did Deathgasm, which is one of my favorite really dumb movies. Not a bad movie, but a dumb yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where I kind of was having second thoughts. So when I picked it, so I, I'd kind of forgotten from my first appearance that I needed to bring a time loop yeah. when I remembered when you sent me your loop of the week. So I just brought up a list. I just went to the list of, of time loop mm-hmm. movies and I'm like, oh. My list on IMDb. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this is... uh <laughs> You know, here's one I haven't seen before, but I'm like, oh, it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily good, but interesting. So like I picked it. Right. Well, that one, my, my first recrimination was just, well, <laughs> Robert Black sends me a 15 minute television show mm-hmm. and I send back a hundred minute movie. Right. It's a lot more watching. It's a lot more work. That's okay. But then I started watching. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And then this is good. And then this is really good. And then it's like, oh. I don't know if I want to talk about this because of spoilers. I think I just want to tell the listeners, if you have not seen Blood Punch, go watch it because I think it's really good. Well, I think there is something we could tell them that isn't a spoiler, Yeah, which is in a way, it's kind of the opposite of Groundhog Day or the opposite of what I've been calling a Connor's loop. A Connor's loop, mm-hmm. the person has to become a better person to get out. Blood Punch is... They have to do bad things to get out. You've got to be a worse person. And then they have to figure out which bad things are the ones that will work, which is hilarious at a certain point in that movie. It's like, well, who do we have to kill 
escape a time loop. Yeah. But it's not science fiction where they're trying to like, they don't know what caused it. It just happened. Well, they no, that's not true. I apologize. They explain it in a really bad, seems like it's an 80s movie kind of way because it's Native American curse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In a way, it kind of, I mean, I don't know if it influenced or just predicted or coincidence, but some of the elements that end up becoming part of Happy Death Day Mm. and also... Was it Russian Doll? Yeah. You know, you've got multiple people in a loop, you know, so it's different from Groundhog Day. You've got some things that are not affected by the loop. Some things are reset and other things are not. So, you know, that's something we saw in Happy Death Day. A tree is like, you know, slowly feeling the effects of physical injury, you know, if she right. dies. And that's another thing. It's different if you die during the loop. Your next iteration of the same day is different from people who do not die during the loop. Yeah, so I hadn't seen the film. I just kind of picked it almost at random from a list of time loop movies. And I ended up enjoying it very much. And yeah, would recommend it to the audience, particularly if you're interested, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in the kind of things that would make you enjoy this film, I think. Very interesting take. I mean, some similar things in terms of, yeah, you know, you you realize you're in a loop and then you kind of need to decide, are you okay with this loop or not? And then eventually, I think everyone eventually decides, well, this fun is fun, but we need to get out of the loop. And then you've got to figure out, all right, how do you do that? And it seems, you know, and certain that is, is knowing why you got to know why you're in the loop, because that's going to help you figure out how you get out. Yeah. And I wish I had watched Blood Punch before you brought it up, Mm -hmm. because my time loop of the week this week would have been a different thing. Instead of an episode of Children's Hospital, which I'll talk about in a moment, it would have been an episode of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Mm -hmm. because in that episode, it's called Twas the Night Before Miximus, because I can't say his name. That's part of the point. The weird little imp guy, Mixoplex. Is that it? I always feel like I forgot a syllable when I say his name. I think it's Mix. When I was younger, I had like a, a... It was like a comic book on record. It was like a 45. So someone had to say with a, it. With a short nice. Superman story. So I heard it. Yeah, I think it was Mixoplick. Yeah, well, he creates a time loop there. And the thing is, as it goes along, it's kind of like what you said with Happy Death Day, where injuries sort of have kind of an echo in the next resumption. Yeah. And eventually, extra people start remembering that time is repeating. And by the end, multiple characters all know that they're in a time loop. Mm-hmm. And so they can work together to get out of it. And so it's a different kind of loop. It's not the Connors loop where you have to do better as yourself in order to get out, which happy death day is both because, you know, she definitely has to be a better person in order to survive, but she also has to figure out what to do, which could have been done better and turns into science fiction for the sequel. That's a whole other thing. We we are not talking about happy death day today. Well, so speaking (laughs) of happy death day, if there was a sequel to blood punch, I would watch it. Yeah, You've talked about it. We talked about it on a Groundhog Minute at groundhogminute.com that at least in one version Mm -hmm. of the script for Groundhog Day, it was going to be followed up with Rita being in a loop. Yeah, that's the end of the original script is that she's now mad at Phil because she has to wake up in bed with him every day. Blood Punch kind of ends with, well, they're not in a loop, but there's a very strong suggestion that another loop is about to begin. Yeah. Also, Blood Punch... I'll have to watch it again. It'll come up on a later episode. Another uh, time loop movie, Repeaters, is very similar in its setup. Is that it's about drug addicts and how their lives are always getting that they need to just get that next fix and that's it. But then the next day is the same. They have to do it again. And the beginning of this movie, that's actually I think one of the worst parts of it is because when I first started watching, I'm like, I think you liked my comment on Facebook mm-hmm. about the, yeah. I didn't buy any of these people as meth addicts. 
and I was starting to like comment on it like I would a bad movie where I'm just like live Facebook commenting. But then it got good once they were in the cabin. And I'm like, maybe we didn't need that part at the beginning of the movie. Maybe we didn't need the drugs at all. <laughs> I'm like, what is this movie? I felt like there was too much going on and it could have been a really, I mean, I liked it, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been even better if it were a short film, like three people in a cabin and like the boyfriend is abusive. And so they kill him. But then the next day it happens again. And then it could have turned into more of like a Connor's loop where they're not supposed to kill him. But problem is they can't get out of killing him when they try to talk to him. It doesn't work. I, I do agree. The setup. Spoiler. I think it's. It's also 44 minutes. Okay. Before yeah. there's a time loop. Before they get into loop. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a little bit long. And they're Hollywood meth addicts and right. not even, you know. It's like, all you got to do to play a meth addict is just shake a little. Yeah. That's all. There's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's like, you know, and, and it's not a spoiler. It's kind of the, the opening scene. The beginning of the film is it's rehab. It's a, you know, group therapy mm-hmm. setting. It's a circle of people talking about their addiction. And it, there's way too many teeth in that circle for it to really be meth addicts. But, you know. And I've already picked my time loop for next week. So maybe I'll bring up repeaters in a couple of weeks. Okay. To talk about that one, because that is the one that does a very good use of drug addiction as the metaphor for the time loop. Yeah. For Flood Punch, I would say a short film or take a half hour out of that opening bit, get to the loop a little bit quicker, and then add a half hour to the end of what happens. Yeah. Kind of what happens after the loop. Or add a couple more characters for that middle so you can pad out the. Like a big problem with movies, it's it's a very cheap setting for horror films, especially to rent a cabin. But then in order to make it interesting, you need to give us people in a cabin. And we get meth addicts who want to make meth in the Mm -hmm. cabin. And that's not that interesting. Yeah, It's kind of weird. Whereas people up in a cabin and it ends badly. That's horror film fodder. Easy. Yeah. For much of it, you've got three characters. Mm -hmm. And for most of the movie and, and most of it. One of them's dead. So there's a lot of time where there's only two characters. Right. So there's, yeah, if you brought more people. And that might be an interesting twist if, you know, people could get drawn into the loop, sort of innocent bystanders or right. not so innocent, you know, kind of get sucked in. And then it becomes, you know, it's like a, a Mozart opera where just the you keep adding voices. It's a great thing they play with in the movie is that if you die in the time loop, the next day you don't remember that time through. Mm-hmm. And so when you yeah. die, it kind of resets back to the beginning but you don't know it. But if you're the one who lives, you get to repeat that day. I think their montage was actually more entertaining than the happy death day to you. One of her, all her suicides, a couple of her suicides are hilarious, but Mm -hmm. I think their montage of just, they're like having breakfast. Oh, he's up. Better shoot him. Yeah. It's like, so when they were so worried about having to kill someone at the beginning of the movie, and then they're just doing it casually. And then then the, uh, you know, sort of the hunting cabin motif comes into play because it's, of course, since they're, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, yeah, there's weapons. They, you all know, over they've the got walls. guns, but then there's yeah, there's bear traps, there's arrows, there's hatchets, there's all kinds of fun stuff. So we get to see yeah, the many exciting deaths. Yeah, so blood punch, really interesting. That one's pretty good. And then my time loop of the week was an episode of Children's Hospital, which is generally a 15 minute show, including credits. I think this one is like 11 minutes long, so it's even shorter than the average. This is season five, episode three, yes. I believe. The C word. In this, yeah, the C word. In which this season, sort of inexplicably, the hospital is now in a war zone. It's like a mesh unit. Yeah. And they keep sort of explaining (laughs) it, but it never makes sense. I mean, I kind of just let it go. I'm not a regular viewer of Children's Hospital, but I'd seen a handful of episodes. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's just a season where it's an army hospital all of a sudden. Yeah. Army Children's Hospital. It was just that season. Yes. I'd seen like every episode up until this season. 
And then I kind of lost track of it because it's on like, I didn't have cable and it, I didn't have a DVR catching it. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's gone on for a few more years past this. And I'm like, cool, go. I got to find those because it's on Hulu. But the C word is one of the main characters. Owen thinks he's in a time loop. I'll just spoil this one because it's short. It doesn't matter. It's a joke. He thinks he's in a time loop because he wakes up in the morning and uh, what's her name? Cat comes in from working the night shift and she says, oh, it was brutal. And the thing is, that's what she does every morning as right. he wakes up. Is her coming in from the night shift saying it's brutal? Well, and then, and then they're playing. I guess was it taps? There's like a, a trumpet, a uh, reveille, a reveille. Yeah, there's a trumpet playing reveille. Which yeah. yeah, if you're on an army base, I guess they do every morning. Yeah, and he's like, oh, they're playing that song again. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't realize. Yeah, it's an army base. They're gonna play it every day. Yeah. When it took me like a little while to figure out, like, no, that there it wasn't. That yeah, it wasn't a time loop. It's just the same thing happens every day. Right. Because then Blake, who people would know, Rob Cordry, is jogging and goes into some wet cement. And then crashes into a plate of glass that two guys are carrying. It's really cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, because he broke the glass the previous day, they still have to replace that glass. So they're walking by again <laughs> with the same thing. But Owen walks away before he sees, you know, he warns him away from the glass, like, don't rock into that. And then after Owen leaves, we hear Blake be like, yeah, I'm not going to have that happen two days in a row. <laughs> so we know he's not in a time loop. It's not in a loop. But the, the whole main part of the story is they're going to have this like <laughs> big musical event. What do they call those? Yeah, review. I'm trying to think of the military organization. Oh, uh, USO. USO, or, uh, USO. USO kind of show. And they were going to have holograms. It was whole, very much of its time when this episode happened in 2013. They were going to have holograms of a bunch of stars, but the plane with the holograms crashed yeah. or was shot down. And then later, a plane that was bringing pizza is also shot down, which is funny. So they have one artist and Owen volunteers to play the trumpet because he thinks he has a lifetime to learn (laughs) it because he's in a time loop, which also doesn't make sense in a time loop because you can't volunteer today because they won't know you volunteered. You just go learn the trumpet. But he volunteers, assuming he'll just be able to play when the time comes, except the time comes that same day (laughs) and he's not prepared. And that's basically it. I mean, it's 11 minutes. There's some <laughs> side stories with the holograms and the title refers to the musical act they have. It was kind of a Justin Bieber stand in and his name is McKeever, but he goes by the C word. And then they get McKeever fever, but it turns out it has nothing to do with him. It's just coincidence that there's a very <laughs> contagious fever infecting people while he's there. Yeah. That's children's hospital in a nutshell, really. is weird non sequitur humor. But I, I found it very interesting because it tied into... I think one of the reasons for my great interest in Groundhog Day and one of the things I believed and, and talked about during my podcast, Groundhog Minute at groundhogminute.com was mm-hmm. a very literal, real interpretation of the film that we kind of, you can live a real Groundhog Day where you do the same thing yeah. day after day after day, and, you know, every day in the same place and nothing really matters, you know, your own Gus. And so when it turns out like that, they're not in a time loop, right? they just do the same thing every day. I'm like, that's, that's what I'm and, saying. And that will happen if you're working a hospital and doing like night shifts or, yeah. where, you know, where they're sleeping in a bed at the hospital because their shifts have very small gaps and you'll get into a sort of sleepwalking mode. Right. You know, they tested that on uh, Mythbusters on a fishing vessel where you can actually do better work if you have intermittent sleep because it's this weird work where you're not judging your actions mm-hmm. anymore. You're, you're just, just doing it. them. But then it will drift into a bad version of it at a certain point. But there's this sweet spot for that kind of work where it's repetitive, where they actually got better at it. And so, yeah, her coming in saying the night shift is brutal. It's going to be the same every night because she's working the night shift. So, And the great line was it, uh, he says, after a few more months of today's, I'll be ready for today's big show. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Diablo Cody, by the way, if anyone is a fan of hers. Yeah. I think she wrote a few episodes that season. 
And you just said where people can find you, but if you want to remind them of the website as well. Yeah, I did a similar podcast where I talked about the movie Groundhog Day, one minute at a time. Imagine that at groundhogminute.com and all my podcast stuff, my current and previous podcast, as well as my guest appearances. I link to from my main site, which is catandshawn.org, O-R-G, because I'm organized. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Thank you for listening. We're all organized. Well, we have to be for this format. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM, no offense to Groundhog Minute, and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to this and more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. And you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. I think I have traveled through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again. Laugh, laugh, laughing. Like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Mm. Yeah, you know Groundhog Day is not a documentary.